All right, hey everybody, let's get back to our seats as we get ready to get into the Word today. Good to see all of you this morning here at New Life Church. Um, great day uh, today. It's a great, going to be a great month uh, as we kicked the month off last week uh, with uh, one of our elders, James, uh, taught last week on cultivating intimacy. If you missed that message, uh, I'd encourage you to go to our website, newlifechurchofjackson.org. You can get it right on the homepage. And, um, and you can pull that, download that message from last, from last week. Very, very good. And actually, that's probably going to be kind of a thematic uh, part of our month uh, as, it, as it, it kind of carried over into today about intimacy. And so we're going we're gonna to carry on uh, the Holy Spirit working that out in our mix here today in this month. But uh, what a great time. Our, our, our young people just returned, as, as you heard. Uh, good vision casting there by Lindsay about our church. Uh, appreciate that. And um, we do. We have a fantastic, fantastic church, and that's, that's you. And, and, and God makes this thing happen, so we're thankful for what he's doing in our midst. And uh, there's greater days ahead of us, greater days ahead of us. And so, listen, let me invite you to open up your Bibles. We're going to be uh, looking at four main parts uh, of Scripture today to start things off with our main text. We're going to be in four different places. So it's Luke 1, Matthew 3. Romans 8, and then 2 Corinthians 13. So I'll give you a second to, if you want to flip through and thumb mark those, they will also be on our screen here to follow along. As we are beginning a new series today called Trinity. Uh, Trinity, as we're looking at the Godhead. Uh, God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. And we're going to be looking over the next three weeks at the, these different expressions of our God and the different experiences that we can have with him as his, the love of the Father, the saving grace of Jesus, and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit. So we're going to look at all of those uh, and break those down over starting today and then over the next two Sundays, looking at each of those aspects of God and the person of God. But we're going to start out with, with four texts here, the short verses uh, first one's going to be in Luke chapter 1, and we're looking here at verse 35 where the angel is interacting with Mary, the mother of Jesus, and we're going to look here, just kind of, what I'm going to do first off is introduce this, uh, th this doctrinal belief of, of Trinity, and we're looking at it from the New Testament point of view in these four texts. Luke 1, 35 says, the angel replied to Mary, the Holy Spirit will come upon you. And the power of the Most High will overshadow you. So the baby to be born will be holy, and he will be called the Son of God. In the birth of Christ, you see the, the working of the Godhead, the working of the Trinity, the Father, the Son being born, and the Holy Spirit coming upon her to make this all happen. So you see the Trinity at work in the birth. Let's look back at Matthew 3, verse 16. It says, after his baptism, Jesus came up out of the water. The heavens were open. He saw the Spirit of God descending like a dove and settling on him. And a voice from heaven said, this is my dearly loved Son who brings me great joy. So you see the working of the Trinity in his birth. You see the working of the Trinity here in the baptism of Jesus Christ. The Son of God being baptized 
Holy Spirit settling upon him like a dove, and then the voice from heaven, God the Father, saying, This is my Son in whom I am well pleased. Let's look at Romans 8. Romans 8. We're just, again, setting up this series in the Trinity. This Verse 11. It says, The Spirit of God who raised Jesus from the dead lives in you, and just as God raised Christ Jesus from the dead, He will give life to your mortal bodies by the same Spirit living within you. So you see the work of the Trinity at the birth of Christ, the work of the Trinity at the baptism of Christ, the work of Trinity at bringing Christ back to life at His resurrection. And now we're going to look at one more, which is in 2 Corinthians 12. The last verse of sec, um, excuse me, 2 Corinthians 13. 2 Corinthians 13, the very last verse, verse 14. Paul, closing out his letter to the church at Corinth, to the believers, and he says this, May the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God, and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with you all. So you see Paul closing out one of his letters with the understanding and the implication that God is at work in your life in three ways. The love of Jesus Christ, or excuse me, the grace of Jesus Christ, the love of God the Father, and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit. So you see the working of the Trinity in the birth of Christ, the baptism of Christ, in his coming back to life, his resurrection of Christ, and then Paul, throughout the New Testament, expressing the work of the Trinity is to be with the believer in every day part of our life. All right? So let's pray over this today and plead with God to give us understanding and revelation on this. Oh, God, thank you so much. We know it is your good pleasure to speak to us. It is your good pleasure to open up our eyes to see the truth of your word, more so than just to have some good feeling but, Lord, to have a great life in understanding of what truth is, leading and spilling over into what is eternal that never ends. And so, Lord, today we open up your word and we say, God, we're here. We want to receive. We're listening. We don't want to have some preconceived ideas. We don't want to be presumptuous in, 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 in any of this today. We just want you to have your way in our life this morning and that you would draw us closer to you in the walk you have designed for us. We love you and we thank you now in Jesus' name. And you can say amen and amen. I recently read a story about a woodcutter who showed up at a log mill for a job. Walked up to the foreman and he wanted to be uh, impressive and he wanted to have, uh, show himself to be a good example. The foreman handed him an axe and then showed him where to go in his spot of the forest. Well, on that very first day of the job, that woodcutter uh, cut down 18 trees by himself with an axe. Showed up to the, to the foreman, and the foreman was like, wow, that is impressive. Congratulations, man. Just keep up the great work. Just keep it going. Well, the next day, he, he, well, he went to bed early and got up early the next day before any of the other woodcutters and went out to the forest and began his work on his spot of the forest to cut down trees. We well, cut down 15. He didn't make it to 18. He cut down 15 trees that day, and he thought, hmm, maybe I was just a little 
more tired than I thought. So he went to bed at sundown, rose up extra early the next day, went out and he said to himself, you know, I'm going to beat my record of 18 treats because I want to be a good example to the foreman and to everyone else. I just really want to do this. And he, he, he chops down less than half of 18 trees. It's like, wow, what is going on? The next day, seven. The next day, five. And then on the end of the week, he struggles to just cut down two trees. He's like, oh man, this is not good. My first week on the job, I start out with 18. I end with only cutting down two. What is going on with me? He's worried about what the foreman might say. He goes up to him and he says, look, sir, I'm, I'm very sorry. I'm really, I promise you, I'm giving it my best. The foreman looks at him and he says, well, when was the last time that you sharpened your axe? He's like, sharpened my axe? I've been too busy trying to cut down trees. And the foreman says this to him. He says, when our axe gets dull, we will have to spend double the energy to obtain half the results. You know, sometimes the wisest thing that you and I can do is to stop, interrupt the felling of trees, and to sharpen our axe. Why, what am I saying? Life dulls our axes, folks. Our spiritual Axes, our ability to cut down the trees of life, to whittle through the purpose and the plans that God has set out and ordained for us to live. People dull our axes. Relationships dull our axes. Situations dull our axes. Worries dull our axes. Frustrations dull our axes. L having unhealthy, unrealistic expectations about life. Over-busying ourselves dulls our axes and our spiritual senses and our spiritual ability to, to live with a discerning mind, to live with a holy mind, to live with a righteous mindset in life. It can get dull because life has a way of dulling our axes. And sometimes the best thing you and I can do is just to stop whatever else is happening and resharpen our acts. So I want to talk to us today about that. Today actually is Pentecost Sunday, uh, it, and we we try as a church to to follow that. Is meaning Pente is meaning is a word meaning fifty. So fifty days from Passover. Just fifty days ago was the was Easter weekend. I mean that was just fifty days ago. That to me, do you, do you, you got? Can you imagine that? Fifty days have, has come and gone since since Passover, since Easter. It's crazy how how literally how fast time seems to travel 50 days ago but it was on this day pentecost that that god revolutionized relationship with humanity it was on this day on the day of pentecost that it it was a it, in the old testament it was a celebration of festivals and but on on this day the lord himself brought a whole new paradigm shift to this thing and how he interacts and how he relates with his people and how his people relate and interact with him. And it was the day that God poured out his spirit on the earth to where his spirit would now live within his people. Paul uh, writing there to the, in the book of Romans, the same spirit that raised Christ Jesus from the dead. If you've been in church longer than two minutes, that's probably a verse that's been kicked around for a long time. The same spirit that raised Christ from the dead is at work in you as well. That same spirit is alive in, in us. Think about that. 
the same spirit 50 days ago in, 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 in retrospect raised Christ Jesus from the dead. And that spirit, his spirit, is what lives inside of every born-again believer. The church was birthed on this day. The day of Pentecost was the day that, that God birthed the church literally with a big bang. I mean, that was an explosive moment that God's Spirit came in and it was like thunder and, and, and lightning and it just, it just whoosh, filled the place where they were. His Spirit came and the church was birthed. It was on that day too, the day of Pentecost, that, that fulfilled God's commission for His people to not be silent, but to be living, breathing witnesses for Jesus Christ in every aspect of life, in, in every part of what life has, we are called to be his witnesses. So today, as we start this Trinity series, kind of starting backwards, most folks start God the Father, then God the Son, then God the Holy Spirit, which is the way it's all pronounced throughout the Bible. But uh, because today is the day of Pentecost, I'm going to start with God the Holy Spirit in a message I've titled, Sharpen Your Axe. Sharpen Your Axe. Jesus spent some time preparing his disciples, and you can read about it in John 14, 15, and 16. He has just great conversation with them and letting them know, hey, I'm making a promise to you. The Father is actually going to be sending a promise to you in, when I'm gone. I'm not going to be here much longer. I'm leaving, and, but he's going to send the Holy Spirit. And he prepares his disciples that the Holy Spirit is going to come. And he references the Holy Spirit and describes the Holy Spirit in some different ways in the different translations of the Bible as the advocate, as the helper, as the comforter, as the one who brings strength, as the one who brings encouragement. Ultimately, the Holy Spirit is that word meaning parakletos, paraklete, meaning helper. The helper of God is coming to you and he's going to help your life. He's going to be great in you. He's going to be strong in you. He's going to be powerful in you. And then after his resurrection, Jesus spends about 40 days with his disciples. You can read about that at the beginning of the books of, book of Acts in chapter 1, the first few verses. Then, uh, and Luke also gets a, gets a quote in there in his gospel in Luke 24, where Luke also wrote uh, the book of Acts as well. And uh, he, he, Jesus is just reminding his disciples in those 40 days and he's reassuring them, hey, all is well. What happened? That was what was supposed to happen. It went exactly the way God planned. I know it didn't look like it to you. Come on, somebody. I know things don't always look like this. They go the way we thought it should, but God always, always, always has a plan. That he is perfect. He is providential. He is sovereign. He makes no mistakes. He, la he lacks no judgment. He doesn't second-guess himself like we do. He is perfect in what he does. And, he's, and, he's, and Jesus spending those 40 days with them, I mean, just a special 40 days with them, just reassuring them of some things about the kingdom and the ways of God. And he says, but listen, you're going to need to wait. You're going to need to wait in Jerusalem. Be sure you wait it out because the promise, the Holy Spirit, the helper, is going to come to you. And he's going to show you all things and remind you all things that, that I ever taught you. So don't worry about trying to forget something. Don't worry that you're going to, you're going to forget. I just wish I could remember that word of, of Jesus. Don't worry about forgetting. If you just spend time with God, he will remind you of what you need at any given time. 
Amen. I'm so thankful for that because there have been so many moments in life, so many times in life where I, I, I thought, man, I, I just don't know. And the Holy Spirit sweeps in and reminds me, reassures me. He's so good at that. So, so good at that. But Jesus said, you need to wait. Then, in Acts chapter 2, 10 days later, now, now remember, the disciples didn't know when it was going to happen. 40 days with Christ after his resurrection. 10 days later, the day of Pentecost, Pente meaning 50. So there's 50 days that went by. Now, they didn't think about it that way. We have the story, so we know now. But they waited. And he said, and it was all fulfilled in Acts chapter 2. I would encourage you to read that maybe later today. Read that story of Acts chapter 2, the day of Pentecost. And what we begin to understand as you go through and travel throughout the New Testament, you begin to, we begin to understand some things about the Holy Spirit. And I will say this, that I hate the fact that people have made the Holy Spirit to be weird. I've, hated, I've made him weird sometimes. And I'm like, he's not supposed to be weird. God's not weird. God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. Are there things we don't always really understand about him? Absolutely. Are there some mysteries about him? Yes. Are, there, are, are we in a growing relationship with him? Absolutely. So we're never going to really know everything. In fact, Paul talks about this in Corinthians that we see dimly right now, but there will come a day where we will fully see and we will fully be known. But until that time, until we're consummated with Christ, that's not going to happen. So we're in this continuous growing of revelation. In fact, it's one of Paul's uh, many... Uh, themes in his scriptures, in his letters that he said, I pray that you would have a spirit of revelation, a spirit of wisdom and understanding. Why? Because God wants us to know him. God wants us to understand. But the Holy Spirit would begin to realize and see this right here. The Holy Spirit is the power in a believer's life that produces godly fruit, good gifts, and all the help we need to be the witnesses of Jesus on this earth. Now, yeah, the church over the years has, has misrepresented God, misrepresented the ways of God. We've, we've, we've gotten ourselves in the middle of the equation and forgotten that we're not the ones who made this. God is the one who made this. As, as uh, Rusty uh, passionately reminded us this morning, it was God who breathes in us. God who orchestrates this life we have. But the Holy Spirit is the power in a believer to produce all the help we need in this world. To be the witnesses of Jesus. To be the witnesses of Jesus Christ. Amen? To be the testament of Christ Jesus and what he can do in a person's life. And here's the thing. That plays to all stages of life. All the stages of life. Think about that. From a child to a teenager to a young adult, to a single adult, to a married person. Wherever we are in life, the Holy Spirit relates. Wherever we are, whatever stage and season or circumstance that has happened to us, the Holy Spirit can relate, and the Holy Spirit is there to help. Never misunderstand or forget that God doesn't want to help. God always is there to help, and He always wants to help us. And he does so through the work of the Holy Spirit. And he is the power that makes it all come together. The Holy Spirit is that. So I'm, 
in a little bit of time I've got left, I want to talk about three ways that you and I can sharpen our axe. Three ways we can sharpen our axe via the Holy Spirit because we're called to walk in fellowship with Him. Three ways. The first way is the power. It's the Holy Spirit's power. That word for power in the Greek is dunamis, where we get a word that, that our, our, earth, our, our uh, English word is called dynamite, an explosive strength and ability of power. Let's look at that in Acts chapter 1. Once, when he was eating with them, Jesus commanded them, don't leave Jerusalem until the Father sends you the gift he promised. He's talking about the Holy Spirit, as I told you before. John baptized with water, but in just a few days, you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. But you will receive power, dunamis, you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you, not for a spotlight, not for performance, not to showcase yourself, but to showcase who? Jesus. The Holy Spirit is the power in our life to make us witnesses of Jesus Christ. But here's what he taught them about this power. Wait. Wait. You ever been around or been, or, or maybe witnessed someone who was put in a position of power prematurely? You read about the Old Testament kings, many of them put in power way too soon. As a result, they said they ended up becoming evil in the sight of the Lord. People who are put in power too soon prematurely usually end up contaminating their position. And they, they, they rule the wrong ways. They make poor decisions. They don't listen to the right people. Right? Different things like that can happen. Jesus knew what he was talking about. It wasn't, but just a few days ago, you guys were denying me. Now, he wasn't ragging them. All right? But he understood, you need to treat this power with respect. Because this power is not about you this power has always been and will continue to be about me, Jesus is saying. But you, I promise you, he said, I'm, I'm not going to be around, but the promise is coming, and that promise is power. And you're going to need strength, you're going to need ability, you're going to need that explosiveness of God in your life to really be who you're called to be. Let's just face it. Our marriages wouldn't survive on our own love alone. Our relationships, we wouldn't linger in long-suffering with one another on our own love alone, right? We'll be dropping people like flies. Shoot, you cross me, see ya, wouldn't want to be you, right? That's the thing, that's just one component, that's just one aspect, relationships alone are affected. And we need all the help we can get to be the spouses we're called to be, to be the kind of parents we're called to be to be the kind of friends we're called to be, to be the kind of workers we're called to be, all of the above, we need the help of the Holy Spirit in our life, the power of Him. But he's tell, He taught them, you need to wait. You need to wait. Now, they waited. And it was 10 days later, Acts chapter 2, you read about it, is about 120 people gathered in an upper room and they were praying. They were encouraging one another. I can just kind of imagine a few of them getting antsy. Peter, I thought you said, he said to wait. 
Luke, I thought you said he said to wait. I thought you told us to, he said to wait and something good was going to happen. Some kind of explosive power was going to come our way. Some kind of great thing from heaven was going to happen in our life. He did. So just shut up and wait it out. Anybody ever told you that? I've been told that a few times. Just shut up. Wait it out. And man, come on, let's just get honest. We don't like waiting it out, do we? We don't like having to wait it out. We don't like having to wait on anything, especially on God. But what did the Old Testament prophet Isaiah tell us in chapter 40, verse 30, when he said, those who wait on the Lord will renew their strength. Those who wait. Waiting is not sitting around doing nothing. Waiting is praying. Waiting is trusting. Waiting is hoping. Waiting is expecting. Waiting is being, remaining faithful. It's not going out and not having anything to do with anything. No, waiting is all of those things. Waiting on the Lord. It said, those who wait on the Lord shall renew their strength. That is a guaranteed promise of God. Those who wait on Him, your strength can get renewed. Meaning, you won't spin your wheels, exhaust yourself trying to fix your problems on your own. You're praying, you're trusting God, you're releasing your care to Him. You're exchanging your burden for His help. You're giving yourself to Him so that He can fully give Himself to you. Whatever it might be. Whatever it is, you can fill in the blank with life right there. And He will renew your strength. What else does He say will happen? He says you will mount up with wings like eagles. I mean, you can soar. We are meant to, to soar. Not be sore, but to soar. Right? We are meant to soar. But that only happens when you wait on God and let His presence fill you and blow through your wings, so to speak. And He will carry you. What else happens? It's that they will run and not be weary. They will walk and not faint. I mean, that is some great news, folks. In this world, in this life, where our axes get dull, we get weary. We sometimes want to faint. We sometimes want to quit. We sometimes want to throw in a towel, but he just picks it up and throws it back in our face and say, not today. Not today. I'm not going to let you do it today. I'm not going to let you do it to Take the towel, wipe your face, and get back up. A righteous person may fall seven times, but he shall get back up. I don't know about you, but I know sometimes we get tired of falling. And some of us, we feel like we're failing. But we can never, none of us are ever worse enough, gross enough, bad enough, or good enough to destroy the work of God in our life. Because He loves us so much, He leaves the 99 to come after the one. And sometimes you and I, we feel like the one. But if we will wait on God, we will trust Him, we will expect Him, we will hope at Him, we will pray to Him, we will keep being faithful even when we're tired. It says the promise is He will renew our strength. Amen? That's one way we can sharpen our axe. Here's another way. The gifts. There are gifts. There are nine gifts of the Holy Spirit. Did, did you know that? There might be some here who didn't realize there are nine gifts. I don't know anyone who does not like getting a gift. Even if it, you open it and you're like, you didn't like it. The excitement of getting a gift was pretty cool. But let's look at this in 1 Corinthians 12 in the Passion Translation. It says, each believer is given... 
continuous revelation by the Holy Spirit to benefit not just himself, remember that, not just himself, but all. For example, the Spirit gives to one the gift of the word of wisdom, to another the gift, the same Spirit gives the gift of the word of revelation knowledge, and to another the same Spirit gives the gift of faith, to another the same Spirit gives gifts of healing, and to another the power to work miracles, to another the gift of prophecy, to another the gift of discernment, what the Spirit, to discern what the Spirit is speaking, to another the gift of speaking different kinds of tongues, and to another the gift of interpretation of tongues. And remember, it is the same Holy Spirit who distributes, activates, operates these different gifts as he chooses for each believer. Nine gifts with a different purpose for each one. But what does Paul go on to teach us about these gifts? We flip over to chapter 14, verse 1, and he says, Let love be your highest goal, but you should also desire the special abilities the Spirit gives, especially the ability to prophesy. So he says, so for the power, he tells us to wait. For the gifts, he tells us to earnestly desire. If you want to desire something so bad, so, so much, desire that the Holy Spirit would fill your life with these gifts. I mean, I mean, that, to me, that is a, what a treasure of gifts. Nine gifts. Word of wisdom. Wisdom, knowledge, prophecy, faith, healing, tongues, interpretation of tongues. All these gifts. I mean, what a package. What an awesome package that the Holy Spirit can give to us. Why? What is that? Well, that's exactly what they are. They're gifts. They help. They bring great things into our life. And not only for our own life, but here's the cool thing too. The Holy Spirit wants to use those gifts in us to help somebody else. How does the church witness to other people? The power of God to do so. The ability of God to do so. The gifts. The gifts of the Holy Spirit. There are going to be some times in our life where you're going to need a gift or gifts... For, somebody, for God to use somebody to speak something into you that you need to hear at the right time. This morning I got like three things from, from a brother in Christ who just encouraged me. He had no idea what I needed to hear. And then he speaks those things and he's like, does that make sense? I'm like, it's exactly what I needed to hear. So the Holy Spirit knew what I needed to hear. And he used someone to say it to me. The Holy Spirit knows what you need to hear. The Holy Spirit knows what you need to receive. When we got to put ourselves out there, though, and we got to say, I desire. That's the, that should be one of our prayers. Holy Spirit, I desire for your gifts to fill my life. Not just for me, but I also want you to use me to be of help to somebody else. Part of Rusty's exhortation this morning, part of that gift flowing, Different ways the Holy Spirit works. And here's the, here's the thing we have to remember, too. It is not just for this gathering. Oh, I want it to happen in a gathering. I want the gifts to move and flow in this gathering. But it's not just for this gathering. It is meant for our everyday life. At home. On the job. At the store. 
wherever we are, the Holy Spirit can flow and work. You don't have to have three worship songs to get you going. Wait just a second. I know you need me to pray for you. Let me, let me get these three songs going real quick. Holy Spirit, you are well. Just give me a minute. It's going to come. It's going to happen. It's going to... We don't have, no, we can just believe God every day. Fill my life with your gifts so that not only my life will be full and complete, but I can bless somebody else's life who don't know you, God, who doesn't trust you, Lord, who's looking for answers, and you show up. And yeah, you can use me. Yes, he can use you. I heard about the, uh, everybody, Gunner, been talking about you this week, brother, since you got home. My daughter came home, Jones, and man, oh, you should have seen Gunner. Gunner was just prophesying and full of the Holy Spirit, laying hands on people, and it wasn't for show, because if anybody knows Gunner, it ain't for show. <clears throat> he, may, he might wear some yellow chucks, but it ain't for show. It's because he likes yellow chucks. I do too. Those are, man, those are sweet, dude. I hadn't seen yellow before. Those are cool. But I love it that my almost 13-year-old comes home and, and one of the first things she says, Dad, is Gunner was prophesying over our small group. And it was powerful. I think one of, one of the nights, my niece, they were at, a, at one of the services and they were receiving prayer. And Eden was on one side, Pastor Lindsay was behind her. And they got done praying and uh, my niece was asking, Hey, who was the other person over here on, on this side? And they were kind of looking at each other like there wasn't anybody standing in there. She goes, no, somebody was there because they put their head on my shoulder and I leaned and put my head on their their head and we were just kind of there and and they were looking around like, no, really, no one was standing there. But yet somebody was standing there. And if you know the whole background of the story, that is exactly what she needed at that time. There's always going to be a shoulder that you may not see, but is going to be there that you can lean on. That's the Holy Spirit, guys. See, he's not supposed to be spooky, weird, goofy. Come on. He's supposed to be real, intimate, powerful, tender, and loving. All of those different things that whatever way he wants to do it for whatever is needed at the time. What did, can you put verse 11 back up for me, Kate? It says, uh, uh, 1 Corinthians 12. Remember, it's the same Holy Spirit who distributes, activates, and operates all these gifts. And he wants to use you. He wants to use me. He wants to, but we have to desire that. We have to desire that. I think what we have to remember is don't emphasize the gifts as much as the one who gives them. I'm no church expert or theological expert. I just believe that we shouldn't make more out of one thing if it's not more out of the big picture of God. If we make more out of Him, He has a way of getting everything to us that we might need. Prophecy is one of the most popular ones. In fact, it was prophecy that Paul elaborated on in 1 Corinthians 14. It says, that gift strengthens, encourages, and comforts. I have several pages in my journals over the years of prophecies that I've been, that I've been given by different people. And it was eight years ago, I went to a prayer retreat 
in East Tennessee, and it was the time in my life where I really needed some good uh, reassurance that, man, I need, I, I'm called to do this thing, that I'm, I'm really called to pastor here through the ups and downs that had happened. And I, you know, I was really kind of doubting, wonder, wonder what, what should I do from here? But you might have heard of this guy, Stephen Furtick. He's got a small church in North Carolina of many thousands of people. But he was, he was speaking that night, and he opened up the altar for prayer, and, and, and I, was, I had to be like the first one down there. But I ended up getting all the way to the left is where I was, all the way to the left, and there was hundreds wrapped. I mean, this altar was huge, hundreds. But he comes down, he wants to pray, he comes to me. He, he makes himself come all the way to me. I'm over here on my knees, and I'm thinking, Lord, I just need a word. I just need something. Just give me, uh, and I'll be good. Just give me, and I'll be all right. Just do something. I need some assurance, Lord, of what, about this thing. And he comes over to me, lays his hand on, on my shoulder, and this is what he tells me. He says, you have a good heart. Humility is evident in your life. Go home and do what God has called you to do. No excuses. God has charged you for a purpose. He didn't know me, but the Holy Spirit knew me. The Holy Spirit knew me and was like, I got you. I got you. I know what you need to hear. We ain't weird that way in this church, believe me. I would encourage you, anytime you get a prophetic word, even though you don't understand it, or it doesn't make you feel like, oh, wow, that's awesome, it may make you feel kind of like, hmm, all right. Write it down. Write it down. Write it down. I used to be the kind to dismiss them in the sense of, well, if the Lord wants me to remember it, I'll remember it. How foolish was I? There's been a few, thankfully, by the grace of God, I've been able to go back and, re- and the Holy Spirit helped me remember that I since wrote down. But I've been a writer of those things ever since. He chastised me and showed me my immaturity. Write them down. Write them down. And lastly, you got time for the third one? I know it's straight up 12. All right. The fruit. You got power that we're taught to wait. Gifts that we're taught to desire. Fruit. What's he say about fruit? Galatians 5. Look at this. The Holy Spirit produces this kind of fruit in our lives. What's he, what does he produce? Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. And there is no law against these things. I mean, who would not want those fruits in your life? Come on, if we just, if, even if we were just old crotchety kind of person, we're going to want some kind of good fruit of something like that to happen in us, right? To pop up in our life. Who makes that happen? The Holy Spirit makes that happen. The Holy Spirit. But he starts this out in verse 16, and he says this, Let the Holy Spirit guide your lives. Let. Let. Let the Holy Spirit guide your lives. In other words, in power, he teaches us to wait. In gifts, he teaches us to desire. But on the fruit, he teaches us 
to yield. A fruit tree of any kind does not sit within itself, if you could think this way, trying to make itself produce whatever. It simply yields to the DNA of the seed that it is, and it produces its fruit. You and I aren't good enough to produce love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, faithful, self-control in our life. Come on now. We can try. We can get eyed at it. But we'll never be excellent. Why? Because the Holy Spirit is the only perfect one. He produces as we yield. As we yield. I, I, I believe this, that most of our issues can change if we would just learn to yield to the Holy Spirit. Either the Holy Spirit works or the Holy Spirit doesn't. Either the Holy Spirit can make it happen in me or the Holy Spirit can't make it. Either He's God or He's not. Either He's alive or He's dead. Either He's real or He's fake. Either the Holy Spirit is really living in a person who loves Jesus or He doesn't. I believe most of our issues can change if we would just yield. In the end of that, he says, there is no law against these things. There's no law against these fruits. What is he, what's he getting at? I think possibly he's getting at this, that the law is based on self-performance. How good are you at keeping it will determine how good you are at receiving something. Now, it doesn't take away obedience. It doesn't remove self-responsibility towards God. But here's what I think he's getting at. It's not based on our ability to produce as much as it is based on our availability to yield. Think about an argument. Think about a disagreement with somebody. And think about the times that we didn't try to force our way, but we yielded even if we were wrong, or if we were, even if we were right. We stopped trying to prove the point, and we just started letting the Holy Spirit produce kindness. Gentleness, the soft answer turns away wrath. Now, I've been guilty of speaking a harsh answer to stir up wrath before. I know I'm probably the only one who's ever started a fight I'm just going to preach to me for a second. But if we want our acts to be sharp, we have to yield. See, it's the opposite of the ways of this world. God's kingdom and his ways are not like this world's. Throw out all humanistic ways. Cling to godly ways. That's why... Paul, in the book of Philippians, a letter to them, tells them, think on things that are good and noble and holy and righteous and pure. Think about things above and not beneath. Why? Because God's ways are not the world's ways. As we yield, the Holy Spirit produces the fruit that we need in our life. And here's the thing. That love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, faithfulness, and self-control is not just for me, but it's for my wife to bear 
for my wife to feed from. It's for my children to glean from. It's from my church to glean from. It's from my, my friends to receive from as well. Come on, we don't want to be known as buttholes, do we? I thought that might wake you up and clue you right back in as we get ready to wrap up. But how about we be known as people, man, not crazy, goofy, weird, genuine God lovers and pe people who love people. But it doesn't happen because we make it happen. It happens because we yield. It happens because we wait. And it happens because we desire. When was the last time you sharpened your axe? I know there are some dull axes here today. And we're not going to put them on display and compare sharpness to dullness here. But what I would like us to do, if you could stand, that song, Fill Me Up, you just really got going in that. So can you, can you like go to that one? And we're just going to take two minutes. If you're here today and you're like, man, I really need my spiritual axe sharpened. It's dull, and I didn't even realize it was dull. But man, I've been angry. I've really, really been impatient. I have really, really thought bad about so-and-so. That's a sign that our axe is dull. And this song is perfect. We're going to sing this song. And as, as we sing this song, I want, to, I, I want us to do this. I want us to sing this song with the implication of, of, of prayer. Fill me up, God. In other words, sharpen my axe. I don't want to be a dull Christian. I don't want to be a dull follower of Christ. I want to be sharp. I want to be useful. I want to be the kind of person I need to be as a spouse, as a parent, as a friend, as a co-worker, as a neighbor, as a stranger, as whomever. God, sharpen me today. And here's what happens. As we stop and we wait and we desire and we yield sharpness. Old layer gets stripped. That new shininess right underneath it begins to be exposed. Let the Holy Spirit, the helper, help you today. Let's bow our heads and we're going to sing. Oh, Father, thank you for today. Holy Spirit, we come to you now admitting we've got some dullness that needs to be sharpened. And Lord, we don't always like bringing ourselves to lay on your grindstone. But it's our pride. So right now, Lord, we humble ourselves. We stop to wait, to yield, and to desire what you have for us. So come, Holy Spirit, hear the heart cry of your people. Unto you now, in Jesus' name.